Welcome to B2B Marketers on the Mission, a podcast for B2B marketers that helps you to question the conventional, think differently, disrupt your industry, and take your marketing to new heights. Each week, we talk to B2B marketing experts who share inspirational stories, discuss their thoughts on trending topics, and provide useful marketing tips and recommendations. And now, here's your host and co-founder of I'm Like Consulting, Christian Klepp. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast, where you get your weekly dose of B2B marketing insights. This is your host, Christian Klepp, and today I'm joined by someone on a mission to help marketers and their companies to plan, predict, prove, and pivot. So coming to us from Scottsdale, Arizona, Mark Stuce, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be here, man. It really is. Thank looking you. forward looking forward to this conversation work so let's uh let's dive in i mean like I've, I've enjoyed all the conversations that we've had so far i think we've fixed all the world's problems in like 15 minutes <laughs> <laughs> well again i think we succeeded in identifying them more than solving them but yeah right <laughs> identification is important identification sure is important. it sure as hell is yeah yeah absolutely. all right well, let's get this started and let's get it start. Let's get this conversation started with something that you said. And I believe it was at a conference a couple of years ago by the W2O group. And during that presentation, you spoke about what you felt was the greatest enemy of a CMO. So based on this, tell us about what you think that is and why. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously a lot of different ways to look at this. But the the thesis in that presentation, which I still agree with, uh, is that the greatest enemy of the CMO is time lag. And what I mean by that is that almost every marketing investment that is made takes a period of time to fully mature and fully uh, generate impact, right? And thus generate ROI. If you truncate it by saying, well, you know, we're, we're just going to look at whatever we can see in the next quarter in terms of impact, you're leaving about 90, 95% of the total value of that investment on the table unidentified. And the only way that you can uh, look and and really understand um, the time lag is to use uh, multivariable regression analytics, right? I mean, that's the, that's not just an opinion. That's a, that's a, mathematical reality. So that is, that's why I say that. One of the reasons why CEOs and CFOs have historically had such a, uh, an opposition to a lot of brand spend, spend on branding, right? Uh, type type uh, programs is that the time lag on those is, can be rather significant in B2B. Um, and, and if you don't have a way of tracking and, and identifying those and, and understanding the time lags, it can look as though nothing ever happened, that they were worthless investments, when in fact, uh, we know very clearly uh, that that's not the case. They're the well done brand is the grease on the wheel of demand, right? Demand is the machinery and, uh, and the grease on the wheel is brand for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I'm interested to know, Mark, because you've probably heard this more times than you care to count, but um, how do you, I wouldn't say push back, but like, you know, we always deal with senior management who are relatively impatient. And that's where that 
factor, the time factor comes into play. And what do you say to those people that say, well, we get all that, Mark, but we need results yesterday because we need to show that, you know, we need to justify this investment. I mean, like, how do you, how do you um, put forth, I, I would say, uh, for lack of a better description, an argumentation? Yeah, sure. I mean, actually, my experience, uh, both as a CMO and as the CEO of Proof with C-suites, is that their frustration is actually far more about not knowing how to understand whether it's working or not, and whether they should spend more or less, and the whole time lag issue, which I think everybody kind of intuitively gets, but that's far different than being able to specify it, right? And so when all of a sudden you show them, okay, so you, all the performance, that the impact that you're seeing on sales today was actually generated by investments that you made six to 12 months ago, and that the investments that you're making today won't manifest uh, full impact for you know, some length of time into the future. And you can show them the half-life right, uh, of those. In other words, you know, the, the impact of a particular marketing investment ramps up and it hits a peak, right? And then it begins, if it's not reinforced with additional investment, it begins to de slowly degrade, right? And so when you start really approaching the business leaders on that basis where they can say, okay, wow, all right. So I can see right here that on this particular S-curve, optimization curve, that if I spend... 10 million more, I can, I can get a lot more impact, a lot more value out the other end before I hit the, the point of diminishing returns, right? Assuming that they can afford it, they'd be insane not to do it, right? And so I think that that's really the issue. I think that, that the whole uh, statement that companies are looking at marketing as you know what did you do for me last quarter kind of thing is 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 true and one the, the rhetoric is absolutely there but it it it's it's because they don't know any other way to talk about it and they feel like that if they don't apply the same standards to marketing that they apply to sales that somehow marketing is going to end up spending a lot of unnecessary money, right? So, I mean, it's, that's really what I see. And I, you know, when, when they're exposed to the analytics, because um, we are very definitely a bridge between marketers and the business, um, you know, it changes the conversation entirely. I mean, just totally. It becomes not about, oh, you know, we got to do this campaign or that campaign or whatever it's all about okay what do we want to achieve and it based on these analytics if we spend more we'll achieve it or we'll achieve it faster and is that worth the cost is that the way we want to spend the money right that's the real deal yeah no that's absolutely right that's absolutely right um you brought some of these up earlier, but like talk to us about some common mistakes and misconceptions when it comes to how marketing 
uh, needs to show that business impact and uh, what you think can be done to address these? So I think that, that again, it's, it's not that this is like some unknown idea here, but I think that it gets lost a lot. Marketing's mission, well, in, in B2B or in B2C, it just manifests differently in the two types of businesses. But marketing's mission is to help sales sell more product to more customers, that would be revenue impact, uh, faster, that would be cash flow impact, and more profitably, that's quite obviously better margins, right? Than sales could do by itself. That last part is super important. So this is, it doesn't matter whether we're talking about enterprise sales, you know, in a traditional sense, or we're talking about retail stores, or we're talking about e-commerce, it's still marketing is a multiplier of something else, the performance of something else. And, it, and it's not just sales, it can be recruiting and retention, it can, you know, it can be all kinds of stuff, right? Um, that is one of the things that really, I think, gets lost in the competition that has been set up in most corporations between marketing and sales, it's competition for revenue credit. And that's just not the way it actually works at all, right? I mean, sales gets the revenue credit for the most part, but it's marketing that gets the credit for making, uh, enabling sales to sell more faster and at a higher profit than they could otherwise have done, right? That's the big deal. Um, I think that the other thing is that P, you know, marketers are so focused on measuring um, their KPIs that they forget that a KPI is all about the past. It's not about the future. And there is no predictive uh, element in data at all. It takes the analytics to distill those relationships uh, between data, between areas of performance to find out what's the cause and effect relationships and that we live in a multivariable world. So you can't just use it. You can't look at it as one-to-one -one relationships because there's so much intersection and that you can't, the unaided human brain, this is a, a lot of uh, psychological research on this one, yeah, just completely shreds when presented with more than three variables. So that's the, th those are some of the big misconceptions. And it's one of the reasons why marketers continue to struggle in this area of being able to plan and then prove and then pivot in the face of change, things like that, right? Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Do you, in your experience, do you feel sometimes, especially in maybe larger organizations that the the lines get blurred between marketing and sales in terms of like who is doing what, because if both sides are accountable for revenue, right? Does that lead to yeah, some actually, I, I believe that it should be blurred, hmm. right? Uh, I think the idea that, well, they're both totally about revenue, right? Yeah. Revenue and margin and better cash flow from revenue, right? That's what they're all about. They perform highly symbiotic roles with each other and they're very different right i mean if we look if we go back 100 years and we look at, at modern marketing as it was created in the early 1900s 
this was designed to scale sales impact. It's all about scale, right? And it's because sales traditionally, right? The only way you can scale it is to add more sales guys. So you don't get any leverage, right? All you get really is, okay, in general, I know that if I hire a new sales guy, he's gonna, he or she's gonna bring me another million dollars in revenue, right? And that's a historical relationship. So we can do that, but for every, that means for every million that you add, you're adding cost basis on a linear function, right? You're not getting any leverage at all. Marketing is all about asymmetric leverage. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Um, talk to us about a challenge that you and your team have managed to solve in the past 12 months for a customer. Um, we have a, a large cybersecurity customer that um, was essentially peanut buttering most of their digital investments. And they also had really misunderstood which investments were really generating brand and, and thus acceleration impact as opposed to top of the funnel legion impact. Um, and so when all of a sudden we started running the analytics or more accurately, they started running the analytics uh, in our software. Um, and it really, it showed very powerfully in a very compelling way that um, not all pigs are equal, right? To use Orwell's little statement, right? That, that, um, that you can't just say, well, LinkedIn and Facebook and you know uh, Google and whatever, right? That all these things uh, deserve more or less equal investment. And then we showed them by you know what the analytics, because these analytics are also allowing you to war game alternatives. And so and you and it's doing it in real time. I mean, you could sit there in a meeting and war game four different alternatives in five minutes, right? So you start wargaming it and changing the parameters of investment in these different channels. And all of a sudden they were looking at, you know, $12 million more pipe quarter on quarter than they were generating before. Wow. Yeah, no, that, that, uh, that was rather arresting. Yeah. And, and I think that, that, you know, the, the natural human tendency here is to say, Oh man, you know, uh, I've been, you know, that shows that I didn't know what I was doing, right? Well, guess what? We all have areas like that. We all make mistakes, right? The cool thing about this company now is that they have, they understand that. They're recalcing the models uh, every month. So as the external factors continue to change, they can change with them, right? So this is where it's very much like a GPS on your phone. Right. All of a sudden there's traffic ahead of you. And what was the best route is no longer the best route. And the GPS says, hey, man, you need to, you know, turn right, turn left, turn right, et cetera. Right. That that is what's going on here. And so. They went from. Having a situation in round numbers where 30 percent of their spend was suboptimal. And in a fairly significant way uh, in one quarter to being very, very optimized 
a quarter later and being able to maintain that level of optimization while at the same time really understanding all of these headwinds and tailwinds that are making it necessary for them to change their approach. It's really, really interesting, right? I mean, it's uh, one of the things that also we were talking about this before we started recording this podcast uh, is, is Ukraine, situation in Ukraine. Yes. So obviously that really spiked uh, everyone's interest in cybersecurity. Yes. Right? But it wasn't just about creating more demand. It also created a lot of other sub-factors, sub-variables, right? That all of a sudden they were either, in their particular case, they were either going to surf that wave really, really well and get a lot of new business out of it, or they were going to miss those waves altogether. Um, and that, that I think is also really exciting, right? The fact that you can do that. Yeah, that's absolutely incredible. And just to add on to your GPS analogy, it's almost like as if, you know, you take a, you, you turn down the wrong street and then the GPS then automatically readjusts a route. That's right. Right. That's right. And that's, that's kind of, that, that, that sounds similar to what, um, what you guys did. <laughs> so. Yeah, actually, there's a CMO that this mm. is like through, I don't know, this is, could have been like six months ago, okay. remember, but he, he looked at proof and he's like, you know, what I really see in this is that when I, when, when I use this, I'm never truly wrong. Right. <laughs> and I, and I had to kind of think about that for a second, but that is, that is true in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. And you think about it, you're using the GPS on your phone to get somewhere that you've never been before and it's directing you. And even if there's a change and you have to change your route and all this kind of stuff, it wasn't because you missed anything, right? It was that the, your environment changed, but you were never truly wrong. Even if you were like 10 minutes late, it wasn't because you were wrong, right? And, and there's a, that's a I, I've really thought about that a lot because at first blush, you kind of want to go, nah, it's not what that means. But actually, it sort of does mean that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, it's Christian Klepp here. We'll get back to the episode in a second. But first, is your brand struggling to cut through the noise? Are you trying to find more effective ways to reach your target audience and boost sales? Are you trying to pivot your business? If so, book a call with Einblick Consulting. Our experienced consultants will work with you to help your B2B business to succeed and scale. Go to www.einblick.co for more information. You shared this in our previous conversation, and you did bring it up like a couple of minutes ago, but um, it was something crucial. Uh, it, it almost sounds like table stakes to people like you know you and I, but... Marketers need to understand how their organization generates revenue, what the business model of their company looks like, and how those efforts that they roll out impact sales. So can you share your thoughts yeah, on that? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. so when I was a when I was a CMO, one of the things that I figured out at some point and started to do is I started to put all, I mean, you know, kind of had to do it in waves, right? Didn't do it all at once, but uh, we ended up putting all marketers in my organizations through sales training, uh, not just once, but sometimes more than once. Um, 
they had to take a in their local you know community college or whatever they uh, they had to take a finance for non-financial managers course which again we're you know we're not trying to create little mini cfos in marketing right but it was it really helped them speak the language of the business and and just the fact that they could read a financial statement with some ability was really significant um i think that you have to really understand where your company is getting its revenue versus its margin um in some cases it's one and the same but like at honeywell we had product families that were all about revenue growth and almost no margin uh, at, the, at that time. And then we had others that, that were not about revenue growth at all, but boy, did they spin out a lot of profit, right, on every deal. And so those two things, you, have, you invest marketing dollars in those two things very, very differently. So... I would say that in, in, in general terms, right, you, you, have to, you have to come back to why are we doing what we're doing? What are we trying to achieve? This is actually how we get started with a, when we onboard a new uh, customer on proof. The, the first session is all about what do you want to know? Like, what are your big questions? Uh, and what is your current hypothesis about those questions? In other words, Usually your hypothesis is you're doing something, you're investing in a certain way because you believe it's true. So that is your hypothesis. So let's test it. Let's see that, right? So your hypothesis generates the model, which then specs out all the data sets that you're gonna to need to arm that model. It's actually very, very straightforward. It doesn't sound like it. If you're if you're a marketer and you hated math in high school and college, you're probably sitting there going, oh my God, right? But I think that one of the things that we've really succeeded in doing is making this a very, very streamlined exercise. Most of our customers get their their time to value is 60 days or so. And the first value is often millions of dollars um, in terms of identifying uh, past successes that they didn't know they had or dollars that they were spending that maybe they should be spending in a different way. And that in itself is already reason enough to no longer, um, you know, accept that excuse that some marketers um, come with when they say, oh, but the CEO doesn't get marketing. Uh, that's right. that, <laughs> you know what, what the CEO doesn't get is huge spend, you know, so the highly material spend on mm. marketing, mm. right, that ha carries with it huge opportunity costs. Right. They could spend it some other way. They could let it fall to the bottom line and generate better EPS. They could do all kinds of things with that money. Why are they spending it on marketing? They really want to know. The frustration is not that they somehow want to cut marketing all the time. I think that that's the way it's expressed uh, because they don't know any better. But when you really get in a deep conversation, it's the they're freaked out. And that's, I don't think that's an overstatement at all. They are freaked out. Uh, not, not, it's not just about, am I spending too much money on marketing? 
It's oftentimes, am I spending enough? Right. But how would I know that? How would I know what the optimized spend is for my business in my market situation? All that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. We get to the part in the conversation where we talk about actionable tips, right? And uh, let's just let's just appreciate that you can't do all of these things overnight, right? No, you can't. But, um, but what are what are some small steps that B two B marketers can take to prove, right, that what they're doing is making an impact on the business that their organization is in? Uh, you got to really understand what you want to know. And you've got to, and usually the marketers are not the sole source of those questions. You really need to go talk to your business guys and say, what do you want to know? Um, you have to be able to then say, okay, what's our feedback loop on that? So feedback loop is not just about measurable stuff, like directly measurable stuff. It's also proxies right you kind of want to be able to start to say okay so like how would you measure trust over time increases or decreases in trust well you could ask people what they think right but you could also say well are we seeing uh deal velocity consistently improve quarter after quarter after quarter well yes well I can tell you that statistically, the relationship between that and higher and higher confidence and trust scores, whether you're actually scoring it or not, it's how your customers feel, right? Is, is, is almost that whole thing, right? It's like, if we look at B2B uh, deal flow, the reason why Enterprise B2B deals take so long to consummate is a lack of confidence and trust. The whole back half of the deal is risk mitigation. It's due diligence. And what's the risk that they're mitigating? It's the vendor and all the vendor's promises, right? So you got to really say that, okay, you know, let, let's back into some of this. I think you also have to say, and this, this, this overturns a lot of people's understanding of what is happening. Most marketers try to do this data up. In other words, they'll say, well, can't, I, I, we can't do analytics until we know our data is solid. Well, any data scientist will tell you that you're not going to know that your data is solid unless you put it to the test with analytics. I, I was just going to say. Right. Mm. So if anything, you know, you need to approach this very much like the scientific method of inquiry. Right. Yeah. Again, you can say, hey, here's the question. Here's the hypothesis. You back into it and then you execute it all the you know, back up the chain. Right. Um, and that is that's those are very actionable things. Right. Um, you also need to know that to do most analytics is not a big data problem. So machine learning is a big data uh, solution, but like multivariable regression is a lean data solution. 
So you don't need nearly as much data as you think you do in order to start to get some good results. And then the more data you pile into it up to a certain point, you're going to get better and better and better clarity around what's going on. So that's the, th those are a few things that I would throw in the bucket. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, uh, I, I think those are really important and, uh, you know, back to what you were saying, uh, it's a, it's a collective effort, but marketing needs to take the lead, right. In, in, to a certain extent, right. Like for example, like getting that information, talking to sales, talking to customers is another right. important one, right? Yeah. So actually I, I totally agree with you. And I do think mm -hmm. that it's up to marketing to take the lead for this reason. Mm -hmm. Sales already has its feedback loop, right? Right. Yes. It either makes its quota or it doesn't make its quota. Mm. That's it. The problem with applying that same logic to marketing is the issue of time lag. So marketing and sales are creating value asynchronously across time and space, right? So you can't do that with marketing. If you, if you look at, well, did marketing fulfill its KPIs for the following quarter? What you will be assuming is that what you did the previous quarter had anything to do with those KPIs at all. And most of the time it didn't, it was further back in time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And um, you brought some of these up previously, but what are, what are some of those key metrics that marketers uh, should be paying attention to? Well, I think that, that starting with the business, you absolutely need to look at that stuff like revenue margin and cash flow improvement, mm -hmm. right? You right. can also look at recruiting and retention these days. There's a lot, I mean, there's different parts of the business that have different business KPIs that really matter to them that your marketing spend will be multiplying, will be improving it, right? And not with separate money, by the way. It's all, a lot of it is happening with the same marketing dollars. It's just benefiting different parts of the business in different ways and across different time periods, right? So, so I would say there's that. There's also, you really need to be aware uh, and of awareness, confidence, and trust data. These are three legs of, of, the, of the stool in terms of the way your customer is interacting with you, not just you know, mechanically on a website, but more like psychographically. And if you have bad awareness or inadequate awareness or inadequate confidence or inadequate trust, Confidence and trust are very different things, by the way. Um, you're going to feel that in your business. You're going to feel that in terms of top of the funnel, mid funnel, and the bottom, right? Um, you're going to just feel it throughout. And so, for example, at Honeywell, we had a really interesting business situation at Honeywell in that Honeywell Aerospace was already doing business with everybody who mattered in the industry. So the idea of a new logo kind of didn't exist unless all of a sudden somebody created a new airline, right? You, so what really mattered, I mean, certainly we wanted to grow revenue, but what really mattered was op income or profits, right? And the ability to speed up deal velocity in a highly regulated environment. And so we, our team 
was able to prove impact. We got, for example, on, on deal velocity, we improved deal velocity around 4% over a two-year period of time. That doesn't sound like a whole lot, except all of a sudden you say, well, I'm, I'm helping to move $12 billion in revenue 5% faster through the business. I mean, my CFO was my biggest fan at Honeywell. He's actually a member of our board at Proof today, right? So, I mean, that's the kind of thing you need to be thinking about. The rest of it, in terms of marketing metrics, is sort of like whatever you need to measure in order to support these larger questions. The idea, I'll just, I'll finish up this way on that sure. question. The, the idea that you can create a scoreboard of marketing KPIs and prove your value to the business is just not true. It doesn't mean that data and KPIs aren't important. They are, they're very important, right? I mean, without data, analytics is just, a, is just sitting there, right? It's gotta, have the, it's gotta have the stuff, right? It's like a refinery that has no oil to refine, right? It's, it's yeah. just a, exactly <laughs> like a waste, right? Mm. So you got to do that, but you, you cannot, you will not be able to ever prove your value, predict your value, any mm. of that kind of stuff using data alone. Mm. Would you say uh, part of it should also come through uh, qualitative means, like for example, conducting in-depth interviews with customers, because those are things you can't really track, for example, at no, least in the quantitative formats. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm a big believer in, in qualitative data. Mm -hmm. um, you have to really use it appropriately and correctly. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the big missed opportunities in a lot of marketing organizations is that they're not up close and personal with customers. They're kind of interacting with customers at long range through a glass darkly, as they as used to be the phrase, right? Um, and you, and you're, and that's just not, that's not helpful. I mean, like one, like what gave me originally the idea to try and do all of this stuff, you know, that turned out to be proof 15 years ago was sitting in executive briefing centers at HP and at BMC software and listening to CIOs talk about exactly the same problem. How do I show my value to the business and how they were doing that and how they were thinking about it, right? And what I realized was, is that you could kind of do a search and replace and put marketing in, the, in place of IT. It's the same deal, right? Now, there are differences, but the big picture is, is the same. Right. And so that's that's actually where I got my inspiration. So I'm a big believer in heavy customer contact. Doesn't mean that you as CMO need to be sitting and interviewing customers every week or anything like that. Some of the best stuff is sort of like what I was just saying about the EBC. Right. Listening to them when they're talking and they don't know that they're talking to you necessarily is some of the most honest stuff that you'll ever get. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. 
Um, all right, this next question. What's a status quo that you passionately disagree with and why? The idea that data or analytics is the enemy of creativity is a really, really, really awful uh, belief that I know exists a lot, right? So many marketers, you know, they if they if they were honest, I was certainly fell into this category much earlier in my life. You know, part of the reason why they became a marketer was that 25 years ago it didn't involve math except being able to track your budget, right? So it seemed very creative and very fun in that sense, and not overly burdened with the unpleasantness of, of math, right? Um, that has totally changed, and yet a lot of marketers have not changed with it. Um, I'm, I'm a huge believer in RevOps teams, huge believer. Um, I think that they, they're indispensable. But one of the reasons why they are indispensable is that most mainstream, let's call them operational marketers, marketers who are doing campaigns, more traditional marketers, if you want to think of it that way, have refused to learn this stuff. And I think that's a real missed um, opportunity. Um, I think also, you know, a, a great example of this, unfortunately, is the communications profession, who are even more behind the curve than marketers. And yet, Great communications, in some ways, has more late-stage deal impact than anything that happens in paid and owned channels, right? And so here you have a profession that literally is ignoring its fantastic contributions to the business because it doesn't want to have to do math. And I just, I think that that is, uh, that's really, that's really tragic because they keep, in that case, communications in many companies, not in all, but in many, continues to sink in the org chart, right? They keep on being kind of demoted as a profession in the org chart. And it should not be that way. It's actually, that is 100% wrong. It's a 180 from reality, but it's totally tied to their unwillingness to do the math. No, absolutely. And that's the reluctance, as you as you rightfully said, to evolve, right? Like, I mean, gone are the days of like, you know, we're, we're no longer in that era with Don Draper and Mad Men smoking cigarettes in offices on Madison Avenue. I mean, the, <laughs> you know, the irony, though, the, the irony of that yeah. is, is that if you go back to the 1950s and 60s, mm -hmm. whether we're talking about advertising, or we're talking about comms agencies, yeah. PR agencies, mm -hmm. they were far more data driven, right, than they are today, right? I mean, you look at a marketing agency outside of the media planning area, right? Analytics is not really around. Um, and that is, that should, it shouldn't be that way because Actually, what I find is that the more understanding I have 
of a problem, and that is usually related to the right data or the right analytics, right? The more creative I become. Because what is, what is creativity? Creativity is problem solving, right? If you don't understand the problem, you are not going to be creative. You're, you might be fun, yeah. you might have a cool idea, mm-hmm. but it probably, it won't necessarily solve the problem. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. And uh, that's the... I mean, at least for me, in fact, uh, that's the reason why the marketing profession exists. It exists to solve a problem or problems. Let's let's a plural form, right? And actually, they do it better than almost any other part of a large company, right? I mean, mm. you, today you have three parts of large companies that are true multipliers of other people's performance. Mm-hmm. One is HR. Yes. IT, because everything is an IT thing at some level, and marketing, right? Marketing is actually the most important multiplier of the three. Now, a lot of people will go, wow, you know, like you said that marketing is more important than people, right? Well, that's not really what I mean. What I mean is, is that its ability to scale impact, marketing's ability to scale impact, is much greater than any human team's ability. Because again, a human team is a linear function, but marketing is exponential, right? So it's just, it's not about like one being somehow way, you know, intrinsically way better than the other or one being inferior to the other. It's about what they are and what they do. So. Yeah, well. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Mark, this has been an incredibly uh, informative, thought-provoking uh, conversation. So thanks again for coming on the show and uh, sharing your expertise and experience with the audience. So quick intro to yourself and how folks out there can get in touch with you. So my name is Mark Stuse, uh, S-T-O-U-S-E. I'm sure he'll probably have my name Yes. Uh, yeah, on the screen. I'm very active on LinkedIn, so that's probably one of the best places to reach me. Uh, and I'm very responsive um, on that platform. Uh, I'm also on Twitter and very responsive there. Um, you can also reach me through the website. Uh, you can reach me through email. Email is maybe not the best way to reach me. So actually, I would really encourage you to just reach out to me on LinkedIn. Fantastic. Fantastic. Mark, once again. Thanks again for your time. Uh, Take care, stay safe, and uh, talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. To learn more about what we do here at Einblick, please visit our website at www.einblick.co and be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player.